0: Hey there, future fans! This week, we aren't just a bunch of Mary Sues, and maybe the man actually is coming for us. This is the week of March 19th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 196 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone. Welcome to the show. Sorry about last week's episode being so late, but hey, it came out, right? Yay, it did. And just a quick note, if the sound of the episode kind of switches, I recorded this out of order. I don't normally do that, but I I got, I got, don't know why. Actually, I just did. <laughs> I actually have no idea why I started with uh, what I did. But anyway, welcome. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. This is a show about movies. We love movies here, we love movie news and trailers, I talk about both of those on the show. We also talk about all the movies hitting streaming while COVID is being a thing, ignoring those that are coming to theaters until more places start to safely open up. And then we talk about two movies that are on streaming for you to watch right now, except once in a while I'll talk about something that I own on Blu-ray or that I get from Redbox. But my friends, it is time to start with the first segment, which as always... Is the news? This just in from Hollywood. The news. Well, I'm going to be honest, we're going to be talking a lot about Justice League this week because this is the week it comes out. We have a news story about it, we have another trailer for it, and of course, we're talking about it in the streaming films segment. But this first story is about early reviews that are coming in, and they're mostly positive. Uh, You'll hear more about my thoughts on it when we talk about it in the streaming segment. But for now, there's a bunch of reviews from Twitter. And this one person, Chris Evangelista, says Zack Snyder's Justice League is a fascinating experiment, far too long and full of ideas that just don't work. And yet it's better than expected. Snyder isn't trying to make a superhero movie here. He's he's striving for a Lord of the Rings style epic. Another reviewer, Eric Davis, says I can now say that I've watched Zack Snyder's Justice League and it's far superior to the original theatrical version, rich character development, much better action, a coherent story, and some terrific badass moments. Definitely a long watch, but I never felt tired of it. Well done. In fact, every review that this article on Slash Film has is at least positive. But of course, this is from critics so we will see what real people have to say when it comes out this week. This next story comes to us from IndieWire. Apparently, Patty Jenkins changed the original traumatic origin story in Wonder Woman. This article says, quote, she was very clear about what the Amazons were supposed to be. And I think that there had originally been some idea that the Amazons had been deeply traumatized by some sort of horrible event that involved mass rape. And Patty just said, hmm, no. No, no, we're we're not going to put that on those Amazons. We don't want to start out seeing them as victims and why would we? This article goes on to talk about how Patty Jenkins almost walked away because she wasn't pay- being paid what she thought she was worth and how she would have been more than happy to walk away from the second Wonder Woman movie and get paid a quarter as much for a different movie. And this article could have easily made her seem money-grubbing for this but I think they went more of a route and I'm glad they went more of this route that it seems like she wasn't getting paid what she was worth and she stood up for herself so good for her well my future friends this next story comes to us from the playlist and it teaches me probably why I should do the episode in order this reports that Zack Snyder reiterates that the Snyder Cut is his last DCU movie, and Warner Brothers is 100% moving on. So after reading this article, it seems like Zack Snyder just wanted to finish this. He said that Warner Brothers considers the theatrical version to be canon, and that Warner Brothers is stepping away from his version of things. But of course, you know, time will tell. Even if they don't bring Zack Snyder back, and even if they try to and he doesn't want to, we never know where this is going to go. Because Warner Brothers did listen to fans and give us the Snyder Cut, and we had been calling for it for a while. And I think the best thing that this movement did was bring to light the idea that sometimes, and a lot of times with Warner Brothers apparently, Disney is kind of known for this, but the studio comes in and just puts their hands all throughout what this director is working on and just kind of screws up a vision. So it just makes me wonder how many bad movies were bad because a studio got too involved this next story comes to us from variety and it's not really new news that i would talk about i think it's just interesting and yes it's about japanese so take from that what you will but the japanese movie ito also known as Itomichi, was named the grand prix winner of the 16th edition of the osaka asian film festival and it also won the audience award but the reason this is news, at least I think it's worth talking about, is because this year, all of the jurors were Japanese. In previous years, it seems like they weren't all Japanese. I say that like that the opposite wasn't obvious by that statement. But yes, all the jurors were Japanese, and they debated whether it was appropriate to, to award the Grand Prix to a film by a Japanese director. So these people were aware of a potential bias. They discussed this potential bias. And the movie did win out because they said, However, we appreciated the fact that 13 years after her debut, director Yokohama Sotoko returned to her hometown of Amori. No, Aomori. I'm a really bad Japanese. I can't say that. Aomori? And anyway, returned to her hometown and created a character with depth. Even though this is a standard fiction drama, the work is full of charm without being stereotypical. And I think that's awesome. And I think so many... Other awards shows and awards people can learn from this going, hey, maybe take a look inward and ask yourself, do you have any biases? Look, if you're a cynic, you may say, well, they just said that so they wouldn't get in trouble or they wouldn't cause an outrage. So worst case scenario, they were biased, but they're just saying this to cover their butts. So worst case scenario, they're smart. Best case scenario, they're thoughtful. All right, my friends, next story comes to us from Bamsmackpow.com. The Flash movie adds another major DC character, yet it loses the actor for another. It has been announced now. Well, we already knew that Kiersey Clemens has signed a deal to reprise her role as Iris West, but Barry Allen's mother, Nora Allen, has been cast. Actress Maribel Verdu has been cast as Nora Allen, you would know her from movies like Pan's Labyrinth and Itu Mama Tambien, but unfortunately Billy Crudup, who played Barry Allen's dad, has stepped away from the movie, citing scheduling conflicts. In the story from IndieWire, Gwyneth Paltrow is only interested in limited Marvel appearances. The notoriously questionable Home Remedy Guru said that, I think if it was a small part that I could do in like a day or two, I would, of course, be open to that. This comes as no surprise to anyone, seeing as Gwyneth Paltrow can't remember shit when it comes to the f***ing MCU movies. It has been reported and even viewable to all of us in some interviews that she forgets being in certain movies and forgets certain people she's worked with. Is it maybe that your home remedies are crazy? Okay, quick aside about me. Uh, my, my dad is full tilt into nutrition and uh, this shit pushed by this guy named Dr. Wallach. He believes like, oh, you need to take all these different supplements and minerals this guy sells. Oh, you have to buy them from him and you have to do all this stuff and cause no one else does it right. Like he has fully <laughs> drank the Kool-Aid with that shit. And you know what? I, I do kind of believe in stuff like that because I've seen my dad be cured of rheumatoid arthritis which, like, fully cured of it, which is f***ing nuts. When I was a teenager, he could barely make a fist. His arthritis was so bad, he started taking this sh- and now he's still working. He is in his 70s now, and he is still a working gardener or landscaper. But you know what? None of these things have all the answers. And do you know why I know they don't have all the answers? A, because they don't work for everyone. And B, if they did, you know some f***ing heartless money-grubbing pharmaceutical company would 100% jump on board you know they would anyway enough about that let's move on to our next story which I totally have prepped and have read this next story comes to us from the independent the Razzie nominations are out yes if you don't know the Razzie's happen every year and they are done the week before the Oscars and they celebrate the worst movies of the year And I'm not going to go into all the categories. I'll just do actress, actor, movie. Nominees for Worst Actress are Anne Hathaway in The Last Thing He Wanted and The Witches, Katie Holmes in Brahms, The Boy 2, and The Secret, Dare to Dream, Kate Hudson in Music, Lauren Lapkus in The Wrong Missy, and Anna Maria Sikluka in 365 Days. Worst Actor Nominees are Robert Downey Jr. from Doolittle, Mike Lindell, the My Pillow Guy from Absolute Proof, Michelle Moron from three hundred and sixty five days, Adam Sandler from Hubie Halloween, and David Spade from The Wrong Missy, and Shocker Worst Pictures are Three Hundred and Sixty Five Days, Absolute Proof, Doolittle, Fantasy Island, and Music. So I like and don't like the Razzies. I like the Razzies because they do get it right sometimes, like the movies I think belong on there. And I haven't seen all these, but based only on the premise are 365 Days and absolute proof. 365 Days is a... Oh, where did this movie come out of? Poland and Italy. This is about Massimo, is a member of the Sicilian Mafia family, and Laura is a sales director she does not expect that a trip to sicily trying to save her relationship will work but massimo instead will kidnap her and give her 365 days to fall in love with him yes so this woman is kidnapped and she's supposed to fall in love with this dude who kidnaps her being weird right an absolute proof is a documentary quote unquote and here's a premise my Pillow CEO Mike Lindell's film claiming a Chinese cyber attack flipped the 2020 election. So I'm looking through reviews for this, and they're all, all of them are either a one-star or a ten-star, and it's so stupid. Both of these groups should never have watched the movie in the first place, because we have the people... Um, who don't believe any of this, who don't believe any election was stolen, and they go into it probably already ready to sh** on it. Then we have the people who drink the Kool-Aid, who believe that we need saving from baby-eating Antifa terrorists, who just rate this a 10, go, oh, this is un- undeniable proof. And you know what? I'm going to be disappointed if absolute proof or 365 days don't take it. Because what... What bothers me with the Razzies sometimes is they don't account, like I always talk about, they don't take into account the fun of the movie. Because I thought Fantasy Island was fun. I thought it was enjoyable. I I enjoyed it. It wasn't great, but it was much better than I thought it was going to be. Same with Doolittle. Am I ever going to watch Doolittle again? Probably not. But it was fun and enjoyable too. And saying Robert Downey Jr., deserves a Razzie for best or worst actor Uh, no he wasn't that bad all right my future friends that is it for the news let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the somewhat nerdy radio podcast and then we'll be right back with the trailers are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture well look no further somewhat nerdy radio is the podcast for you We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com.
1: Good journey, nerds.
0: All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, the Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer
1: trove.
0: Alright, my friends. First up in the trove, we have a trailer for a movie called Every Breath You Take, set to come out on April 2nd. Starring Casey Affleck, Sam Claflin, Michelle Monaghan, and India Isley, I think is her name. This is about a psychiatrist whose client commits suicide and then finds his family life disrupted after introducing her surviving brother to his wife and daughter. So basically, this psychiatrist's patient's brother comes and meets the family, and then he starts to like wedge himself in there. It seems like he hits on the mom and the daughter, maybe sleeps with both of them. And things only get crazier from there. Next up in the trove, we just get another trailer for Mortal Kombat coming out April 16th in theaters and on HBO Max. And yeah, I'm already down. I already want to see this. I already am going to sit my ass down and watch this the week it comes out. I am super, super excited for this. Okay, maybe the week after it comes out. Yeah, the week after it comes out. <laughs> because the week that comes it comes out is my anniversary. So maybe the next week. All right, my friends. Next up, we have a new horror movie coming out April 2nd called The Unholy. Starring Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Carrie Elway's. This is based on a book. By James Herbert. The book is called Shrine and it came out in the 80s. But this movie is about a hearing impaired girl who is visited by the Virgin Mary and can suddenly hear, speak, and heal the sick. But as people flock to witness her miracles, terrifying events unfold. Are they the work of the Virgin Mary or something much more sinister? Spoiler alert, it's sinister. And yeah, I'm down. I love, uh, I, I like the horror genre. I especially like horror movies about ghosts and like demons and shit, even though they scare the shit out of me. But yeah, I'm a fan of Jeffrey Dean Morgan and I'm a fan of Carrie Always. So yeah, I want to see this. Next up, we have the trailer for a movie called Vanquish, which comes out April 16th and stars Ruby Rose and Morgan Freeman. And this really looks like a movie that Morgan Freeman did because it lined up with his schedule and it gave him some money. And maybe it didn't take a lot of uh, didn't take a lot of time for him to record. This is an action crime thriller about a mother, Victoria, who is trying to put her dark past as a Russian drug courier behind her. But a retired cop, Damon, forces Victoria to do his bidding by holding her daughter hostage. And yeah, you've seen this movie before. You've seen a lot like it. But let's talk about a movie coming out. Um, actually, I don't know when it's fully coming out, but. It's a movie I saw a trailer for called The Paper Tigers. This was actually a crowdfunded film that's finally coming to fruition. And it it looks really, really good. It looks the right combination of cheesy and actual quality. This is about three Kung Fu prodigies who have now grown up into washed up middle-aged men. Now one kick away from pulling their hamstrings. But when their master is murdered, they must juggle their dead end jobs, dad duties and old grudges to avenge his death. So this doesn't star anyone I'm familiar with, but that doesn't even matter. It looks really, really good. We have these three guys who, when they were young Kung Fu prodigies, were known as the paper tigers. I'm sorry, they were just known as the tigers. The joke is now they're older and more feeble and thus paper tigers. But they are reminiscing one day and they find out that their master had died. But something seems off about it. And so they're start, they're trying to train again to remember what they once learned, but it turns out, guess what? They haven't practiced in decades and now they suck. So we have a Kung Fu comedy that looks like it's not a straight up comedy. Like if you're in the mood for a comedy, you wouldn't choose this, but you would choose this if you just want to watch something good. And it looks, it looks phenomenal. If I find out when it's actually being released and how to see it, I will let you know. All right, my future friends, next up, we have a trailer for a film coming out on May 7th this year. It's called Paper Spiders, and it's about a, well, it's a bittersweet story about coming of age and the shadow of mental illness. And what that bullshit premise from IMDb really means is that this is about a young woman And her mom starts to take this downward spiral. First, it's small things, and then she gets more and more paranoid, and then she starts to really need some help, because this isn't just a one-off thing, it's a mental health issue. And so it's about this young woman and her mother and their relationship. This stars Lily Taylor from movies like The Conjuring and TV shows like American Crime, Stephania Lavee Owen from Krampus, and Peyton List from Cobra Kai. If you do watch Cobra Kai, she plays Tori, the worst character on the show and the one who needs to leave. So cute, it's Sam. You're right, Sam is the worst character. Tony or Tori is bad, they just need to get rid of both of them and bring back Aisha. Alright, next up we have the trailer for a film called Concrete Cowboy. This is a Netflix original film coming out on April 2nd, starring the likes of Idris Elba of course you know from the thor series or from luther uh, caleb mclaughlin who you know from stranger things he plays lucas Jarell jerome from moonlight or when they see us lorraine to saint i think is how you say it from movies like fast color or selma and method man yeah method man from how high and this seems like a, an interesting movie about a teenager who discovers a world of urban horseback riding when he moves in with his estranged, estranged father in North Philadelphia. Yes, urban horseback riding. People who live in the middle of an urban area and have horses because I don't know why. But I bet you this movie will tell us why. So it's really a father and son story and how they, how they bond. And also the fact that they're riding horses in the middle of Philadelphia. Produced by Lee Daniels, who did The Butler and this week's United States vs. Billy Holiday. And it it looks good. It does. It looks it looks deep. It looks depressing. But it also looks like it will end on an uplifting note. Next up in the Trove, we have a possible a possible good movie that could also be unfortunately try-hard and weird. It's a sci-fi thriller called Voyagers. This is about a crew of astronauts on a multi-generational mission who descend into paranoia and madness, not knowing what is real and what is not. But what the premise leaves out that the trailer tells us is that these, these young adults, or maybe adults, Ty Sheridan's an adult, what these adults deal is, is that they were specifically bred for this mission. They are bred in a laboratory to not have emotion, and then we learn that part of their routine is drinking this blue stuff, and that blue stuff actually dampens the emotions that they should be feeling. They start to realize this, and so uh, as they're on their way to this to this planet, Colin Farrell, who's watching over them, who's the scientist behind it, is like, "Well, I got to keep this in in um keep this in check." But stuff starts going wrong. So this is directed by Neil Berger, who did movies like Limitless, The Illusionist, The Upside, the remake of The Upside, not the original, and the stars Ty Sheridan from Ready Player One or he also was uh, Cyclops in the X-Men movies, Lily Rose Depp from Tusk or Yoga Hosers, Fionn Whitehead from movies like Dunkirk, and of course, Colin Farrell from In Bruges or Seven Psychopaths. And I'm torn, just because on the based on the trailer, it looks like, just what I said, it could be really good, one of those hits that you don't see coming, or it could be very, very bad because it's trying to be this psychological sci-fi thriller and it just falls short but we will see what happens all right my future friends we have another new trailer for minions 2: the rise of Gru coming out july 1st next year so hopefully we'll be able to ac- actually watch this in this c- in the cinema but this is the untold story of a 12 year old's dream to become the world's greatest supervillain and the minions that he already knows and live with him as a child of course, this is one of those movies that you don't think too hard about because it doesn't make any f-ing sense, but it's just fun. Uh, I liked the first Despicable Me movie. I own the others, but I've never seen them because that makes sense. <laughs> and uh, I-, I do want to see it. It looks funny. And next up, folks, we have a HBO Max original that's coming to theaters and HBO Max on June 18th. That's called In the Heights. It is Lin-Manuel Miranda's new uh, new musical. This comes to us from director John Chu, who brought us such classics as Step Up 2, The Streets, and Now You See Me Too. And this is based on the uh, musical stage play by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it stars people like Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Anthony Ramos from uh, something you may have seen called Hamilton, uh, Jimmy Smits, Mark Anthony, just to name a few. I would name more, but I'm feeling really lazy and don't want to look into it all, uh, but it looks really good. Uh, This is a feature version of the Broadway musical in which a bodega owner has mixed feelings about closing his store and retiring to the Dominican Republic after inheriting his grandmother's fortune. And if you do hear clicking in the back, Anne has joined me and she is blogging and we are doing a little together thing. She's doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. It's fun. It's family time. We love family time. I think we have cats around here. There's one cat. Where's the other? Just one cat. Uh, Just one cat. The other's asleep downstairs. And my future friends, let us end the trove with the final trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League and you know what I'm still down I still want to see this the the problem with this last trailer is just the same problem I had with the other trailers where it showed too much of the original film I don't want to see that of course don't spoil everything that's new for me but show me something different show me something that I didn't see in the original trailer Because when I watched the first trailer, before Justice League came out, I was stoked. I am just as stoked for this one. In fact, I'm more stoked for this one. And you're just showing me the same scenes. Of course, there are differences. We know that Steppenwolf looks different. We know that we're actually seeing Darkseid in this. And my question is, watching this final trailer in the before scene, when we see the history of uh, Apocalypse being fought, not Apocalypse, (laughs) Darkseid, (laughs) when <laughs> we see the his- Dark Sides from Apocalypse, when we see Darkseid being fought back, and we see who I think is Hercules fighting him, and uh we see the uh the Amazonians fighting, and then we see a Green Lantern there in this trailer. Was that Green Lantern in the original movie? I can't remember. And as far as how this movie fits in with the DC universe, my question is where's Abin Sir? If Abin Sur is already dead by this point, and one of the other Lanterns has the ring, I'm assuming that it's going to be Hal Jordan. It'd be cool if it wasn't. It'd be cool if it was Jon Stewart or Kyle Rayner. But anyway, why is there no Green Lantern here for this? Where is the Green Lantern? The only reason that I could possibly believe a Green Lantern wouldn't be here to defend Earth from Darkseid is because it's the in-between time after Abin Sur dies and Hal Jordan gets the ring, so he's he is training, and thus he's not ready. But of course, knowing Hal Jordan, he's enough of an asshole or cocky asshole to go, oh, I, I may not be trained, but I'm still going to go fight, even though I may get in the way and cause more damage. But of course, maybe the others just didn't tell him. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that Justice League, the Snyder Cut, is coming out this week, I actually can't wait to see what Darkseid's going to do, because he's an actual scary bad guy. Because Thanos, we know, is not that strong. The only reason he it was so terrifying is because he got all of the Infinity Stones. What made Thanos so, uh, so scary was the fact that he was so smart and he had this huge group of people fighting for him. Darkseid is actually terrifying on his own it does bother me that Warner Brothers isn't taking this movie into canon because it's already getting better reviews than the first one. So they should do the better of the two as their canon movie. But you know what? If Warner Brothers made good decisions, they would never be in this spot in the first place. All right, my future friends, that's it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And we'll be right back with the movies coming to streaming this week. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and
1: the dude with the headband.
0: We talk about
1: wrestling
0: and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling?
1: Yeah!
0: Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast, SomeWonderitaCom's Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on someonenerdy.com. All right, my future friends, welcome back to the show. It is time for the movies that are coming out on streaming this week, and almost all of them are straight to VOD. What's weird is that I remember last year, or near the end of last year, Netflix had announced that every week this year, something new would come out. So I assumed there'd be some new movie from them or something, but I can't find it. Maybe it's a Netflix original TV show, and they're counting those as well. But besides one thing, everything is coming to a non-streaming service VOD. Which does actually mean, yes, you could rent these on Amazon Prime, maybe. Uh, maybe they're also going to Redbox. Speaking of Redbox, we're going to have a Redbox episode soon. Uh, not a special episode, uh, really. Just because uh, my wife and I had a movie day, and we got some from Redbox, and there's some good shit out there that's not yet available to stream. So let's jump right into the movies coming out this week on Video On Demand. The first is called Food Club. This follows 3 longtime girlfriends from elementary school who are coming into their prime and finding a new lease on life after participating in a cooking course in Italy. This is a Danish movie, and I checked and no one of note is in it. Next up, we have a film called Enforcement. This is about Jens and Mike, two police officers on a routine patrol who find themselves trapped in a maze of buildings when unrest spreads. And this is another Danish movie. Good week for the Danish, right? Food Club didn't look bad. Enforcement doesn't look bad. But with so many movies coming out these days, a movie has to do something special to get your attention, right? Well, if you are interested in Danish movies, these two may be for you. Food Club really looks like it's a it's for an older crowd, either a cinephile or an older crowd, because it's about these three older women trying to find uh, something more in life at an older age. And Enforcement kind of looks like a Danish take on End of Watch. And You Know Me and End of Watch, love the film, I'm never, ever going to watch it again. Next up, we have a film called Phobias. Five dangerous patients suffering from extreme phobias at a government testing facility are put to the ultimate test under the supervision of a crazed doctor and his quest to weaponize fear. And the fact that this has nothing to do with Scarecrow from Batman disappoints me greatly. All right, next up we have Last Call. A real estate developer returns to his old Philly neighborhood and must decide to raise or resurrect the family bar. This stars Jeremy Piven from Mr. Selfridge, Taryn Manning from Orange is the New Black, Bruce Dern from The Burbs, Zach McGowan from Black Sails, Jamie Kennedy from Scream, Jack McGee from Moneyball, Sherry O'Terry from Scary Movie, and Kathy Moriarty from Raging Bull. Again, another one that doesn't look bad. It, it really doesn't. It, it looks like something I may even watch one day, but not on VOD. I'm sorry. All right, my future friends. Now we have to talk about Happily, a dark romantic comedy where Tom and Janet, who have been happily married for years, but a visit from a mysterious stranger leads to a dead body a lot of questions and a tense couples trip with friends who may not actually be friends at all. This stars Joel McHale from Community, Carrie Bechet from Argo, Natalie Morales from Battle of the Sexes, Natalie Z from Justified, Stephen Root from Office Space, Shannon Woodward from Westworld, Charlene Yee from This Is 40, Kirby Howell-Baptiste from The Good Place, Paul Shear from The League. Al Maljugal from Night School, and John Daly from Masterminds. And I think the actress's name is Carrie Bichet from Argo, because either that or her, her name is Biche, which is a very unfortunate name, seeing as how people like to say Biche these days to avoid saying bitch. And if you liked Joel McHale in Community, if you liked his character in that, you'll like this. If you liked his character in The Happy Times Murder, you'll like his character in this. It's the same character, basically. And that's not really a dunk on Joe McHale, because he does a character well. He knows it, and so he does that. So, when he's in a movie, and he's playing that character, it's good. Oh, these are not in order. Wow. Okay, so if you're new, normally I put the movies in some sort of order. So, in the old show, before COVID, I would have two segments. Uh, the the limited limited releases and indie films, where I would just talk about... The bare bones of movies that didn't really interest me. And then I would talk about the wide releases and interesting indies. Because when COVID wasn't a thing, some weeks, so many movies would be coming out that I had to divide them. And also I learned that if I tried to talk about each and every movie, sometimes I didn't have anything to say, like with Exodus. So Exodus, when a VHS tape proves the existence of a rumored doorway to paradise, a young man abandons his decaying hometown in pursuit of the door to salvation, evading vengeful pursuers along the way. This stars no one of note. All right. We mentioned this. We uh, I mentioned this in the trailer trove. I mentioned that it's time to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League because, you know, there was the final trailer that came out Mere days before this film was supposed to drop, but you already heard my views on the trailer. Now it's time to talk a little bit more about this movie. So, just in case you didn't know, this is Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League. Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. This stars. Everyone from the first time around. So yay, we can save ourselves that. Because you've probably seen Justice League. Uh, With my love of comic book movies and the fact that I talk about it a lot, you've probably seen it. I'm not saying you've seen it because of me. But you've seen it because, if you listen to me, you probably have similar tastes, maybe? So yeah, if you have seen this movie, and you even liked it a little bit, or... Fun fact, even if you hated it, you may have been eagerly awaiting this version. Because if you remember, Zack Snyder had to step away from the Justice League because of personal problems with a problem with his family. So then the now-canceled Joss Whedon came in, and let's be honest, even if Joss Whedon wasn't canceled, Justice League failed because it was these two visionary directors almost butting heads via their unfinished project we had something that Zack Snyder had a vision for and already started we had Joss Whedon who came in who has his own style and changed the film around so even if we still liked Joss Whedon Justice League would still have been a iffy movie I liked it even though it wasn't great I liked it because it was just fun hopefully now it will be fun and a better movie but here's the question This has a runtime of four hours and two minutes. Will the runtime of this film affect how much someone can enjoy it? Will the fact that you need to put aside a good portion of your day, will that affect the enjoyment of the movie? Because a long movie is an event. It is a big deal. So the bonus is you'll be at home Thus, you'll be able to pause it whenever you want, so you don't have to wonder when's the best time to go to the bathroom. Like, if I go to the bathroom now, will I miss something important? You don't have to use Run Pee, which I think is the app that allows you, yeah, the app that tells you the best time to take a pee during a movie. So you don't have to use it, because you could pause it. But even then, even then, this is four hours. It's longer than Lawrence of Arabia, and Lawrence of Arabia was a long film. Please do keep in mind that it is only, let's see, 14 minutes longer than Lawrence of Arabia, but still, Lawrence of Arabia was a f***ing intense movie. If you've never seen Lawrence of Arabia, do yourself a favor and watch it. Even if you don't love it, it's classic cinema. Uh, Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness uh omar sharif anthony quinn it's just a great cast great movie but anyway let's go back to talking about justice league which is you know kind of different from uh from lawrence of arabia because this movie has the opportunity to change everything for the dceu i know they swore the dceu is now defunct but they're still making movies They're not going to be super intertwined anymore, but then again, they don't really have to be, do they? We expect this from Marvel, where you have to have watched all the movies leading up to something to fully get it. I mean, technically, you could have watched just the Avengers movies and understood it enough to enjoy it, but to get the full experience, you needed to watch them all. But with DC, like we talked about in the news, maybe be better if they do their own thing and not try to copy something that marvel's already killing it at because maybe it would be refreshing to watch a movie without having the to, the prerequisite of watching everything before it but that's all speculation but this can change things to the dceu because we know that they want to recast a lot of these roles we know that some people are safe we know that jason momoa is safe we know that gal gadot is safe and when it comes to Henry Cavill, we hear so much. We hear that he's—they're looking for another Superman. We hear that they're going to keep him. We hear that they're going to keep him for something else, but not as the main Superman. It, it's hard to tell. Ben Affleck supposedly out, but he's not out. But he is. Ezra Miller may be safe as long as he, as long as he doesn't choke anyone else. J.K. Simmons is Commissioner Gordon. We know he's coming back as Jameson in Spider-Man. Everything is so up in the air now. Even Amber Heard. Amber Heard, if you haven't heard, may have been fired from Aquaman because of the fact that she has abused Johnny Depp. And I do think that DC and Warner Brothers needs to take a stand. And I I think even though nothing's been proven yet, the evidence against her is so damning that if the roles were reversed, if a man had that kind of evidence against him, the man would have been fired by now. And I think we have to treat this equally. We have to treat abuse equally. If a woman comes out and has found out that she's, a, uh, she's an abuser, she should be just as canceled as any man should be. But I was on the topic of how this can change everything for the DCEU. If this goes over well, it may make DC and Warner Brothers reconsider the future. Because supposedly we're still getting a Flash movie, Aquaman 2 is in the works, and this could be the Joker we need to see from Jared Leto. This movie has so much promise that, unfortunately, I'm not sure how it, how it's going to stand up to this promise. People have put so much hope, so much of their time and, and thought and feelings into the Snyder Cut that I don't know how it could possibly live up to people's expectations. You know, in a lot of cases, the fandom is the number one hater of their own thing. Look at Star Wars. Star Wars fans are literally the worst. Whovians are usually a bunch of big babies. Whenever they change a doctor, they're like, that's not my doctor. I hate this doctor. My doctor is the only doctor. It's like, bitches, shut up. So once this movie officially comes out, give it a little bit, give it a couple days, and I fully expect to see both camps Just rise up people who hate it and just are going to have fun shitting on it and people who are vehemently going to defend it. What do I think? Because that's why you're listening to this show that you somehow find my opinion interesting. I think that's going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be enjoyable. So as long as everyone goes into the movie expecting something like that, I think we'll all have a good time. So yes, this is the week that we're finally getting Justice League Snyder Cut. Uh, It may take me a while to watch it, because right when this comes out, my work schedule gets all f***y, so we'll see. We'll see when I get a chance to sit down and watch it. Well, my future friends, let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Mouth Podcast. Please stay tuned.
1: There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach wall to wall filthy fucking language
0: go to a grocery store I'm like I know exactly what I need I get in there I'm like fuck. yeah <laughs> the yeah. did I even come here for
1: with our charity swear jar every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction
0: the motherfucker's a mouth breather
1: gaming movies life musings it's all here served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of shut the fuck up how the fuck did we get here fuck all that I did fuck, do fuck do. a jelly bean so if you want to hear us do good things with bad words check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth.
0: All right, my future friends, we are back with the movies we're going to talk about this week. Let's start with the movie you can watch on both Amazon Prime and Hulu called Bombshell. A group of women take on Fox News head Roger Ailes and the toxic atmosphere he presided over at the network. This stars Charlize Theron from Monster. Nicole Kidman from Batman Returns, Margot Robbie from I, Tonya, John Lithgow from Third Rock from the Sun, Allison Janney from West Wing, Kate McKinnon of Saturday Night Live fame, Connie Britto from Na- Britain, not Britto, Connie Britton from Nashville, Liv Hewson from The Santa Clarita Diet, Bridget Lundry Payne from Atypical, Mark Duplass from The League, Stephen Root from Office Space, and Malcolm McDowell from Star Trek Generations. Yeah, that's right. Star Trek Generations and not fucking Clockwork Orange because Star Trek Generations is a national treasure of a movie. But enough about that. Bombshell. Yeah. A.K.A. how the women of Fox News started the Me Too movement. And I say that's not a joke. When you think of Fox News and you think of progressive movements, you, you, you think they're on opposite sides. A progressive movement sounds like something Tucker Carlson would make fun of on his show. And you know, he probably has. But this movie does something really important because it does show that we have these women who work for Fox News. Fox News, to anyone who's not a Republican, and even some Republicans, look at as the enemy. But then we have have these women who spearheaded this movement against one of the most powerful people in news. Because we have Roger Ailes who was a real person, was or is. Is he still alive? Let's see if this piece of shit is dead or not. Roger Ailes. Oh, he died. Couldn't have happened to a nicer man. Anyway, we have this rich, important, and unfortunately smart person who has been getting away with this shit for a long time because he knows how to do it. And he it's like he can sniff out the type of people who wouldn't come after him for it. He's like, oh, you're young and impressionable and really want to succeed. I will target you because you know that if you try and come forward, I will destroy you and you will never, ever recover. And also no one would believe you because we have Nicole Kidman playing Gretchen Carlson who gets fired and then comes after not Fox News, but Roger Ailes personally for this assault and no one really believes her. And we see in this movie that we have the people at Fox News starting this We Stand With Roger thing, like having, like, you have to come forward and say something. You have to show your support, or you will be basically blacklisted within the company. And it isn't until Megyn Kelly, who is still in the Fox News good graces, comes forward and says something. Because this movie, which I think was a sloppy movie, but we'll talk about that later. Follows two stories. It has Charlize Theron as Megyn Kelly. Nicole Kidman as Gretchen Carlson. And Margot Robbie as someone whose name I totally am not looking up right now. Oh, that's why. She's not a real person. Okay, so Megyn Kelly, Gretchen Carlson, real people. We know this. Roger Ailes, real person. Rupert Murdoch, real person. All these people, real. Kayla Pospilcil, however you say that name, played by Margot Robbie, is fake. She was created to stand as an example of the other women who aren't famous like Carlson and Kelly who went through this. I forgot to mention a couple people who were in this. Uh, Kevin Dorf, uh, who is in a few episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, plays Bill O'Reilly. We have Richard Kind, and this is my favorite one, Richard Kind playing Rudy Giuliani. And even though he doesn't look much like Rudy Giuliani, Richard Kind's kind of, I've lost my mind Way of comedy works so well for Giuliani. It's amazing. Then we have Spencer Garrett, uh, who did you play again? Spencer Garrett as Sean Hannity, who even kind of looked the part just a little bit, and Tony Plana as Harold Rivera. You know what? I kind of lost my train of thought. So let's start over with what I didn't like about this movie. Um, it was a little haphazard. It tried to do too much. It tried to do way too much in the time it had. Uh, because this movie was only let's see how long it was this movie was only an hour and 49 minutes and it tries to tell three complete but also interwoven stories it tries to tell the story of Gretchen Carlson trying to come forward against Roger Ailes but basically getting blasted for it we have Megyn Kelly's story of her trying to deal with Donald Trump because if you remember there was drama between her and Donald Trump because she brought up Donald Trump's blatant sexism and misogyny and gets hate mail and death threats for it because that's the logical thing to do. And then we have Margot Robbie's character who is actively going through with what these two other women went through. And she starts off working for Bill O'Reilly, who was a creep himself. So we have an hour and 50 minutes to tell these three stories that even though they do intertwine... And they come together at the end. It just feels, it just felt like a sloppy movie. And it felt like the people behind this movie thought that, oh, we have this important story to tell. And it has the benefit of going with, according to this Gallup poll, with what the majority of people are actually leaning towards. Because this Gallup poll done on January 21st, 2021, it has people who either identify as Democrat or lean more to the left. 50 percent of americans and then people who di- identify as republicans or lean more to the right 41 percent with the others either undecided so they have this safe bet on their hands so it feels like they got lazy it feels like they have this story that people are going to sympathize with unless you're some sort of monster you're going to sympathize with women being sexually harassed or unless you're a, unless you're a predator yourself You're going to sympathize with this. So we have this story that's easy sympathy, especially because it really happened. We have a hot-button topic, and we we talk about a very controversial political figure in it. So they thought they had a good formula on their hands, but it feels like when it came down to what the movie became, they didn't try hard enough. Because here's something I have to realize about myself is that when the movie was over, I was like, oh, f- this is a great film. Ten like ten stars. I can't believe how good it was. But the more I thought about it, the more I saw that I didn't like. And I think when I see a movie that has fantastic performances, I need to step back for a bit. And we're going to talk about this, too, when it comes to the United States versus Billy Holiday, that if I am too blown away by a good performance, it blinds me in that moment to what's wrong with the movie. And now that it's been a while since I've watched Bombshell what's wrong with the movie outweighs what worked and the only thing that saves this movie from being actually bad are these great performances and this was directed by Jay Roach who did movies like Trumbo, the Austin Powers movies, Mystery Alaska, Meet the Parents, Dinner for Schmucks and I think someone better for this movie would have been someone like Aaron Sorkin and speaking of men speaking of the I just realized that the person I had in mind better maybe to direct this was another man here's one of the biggest controversies of the film it's not the fact that it attacks Fox News but it's a fact that a lot of the people behind this the director the writer a bunch of producers were men and Charlize Theron actually spoke out about this and she spoke to IndieWire about this and she says I quote But this is such a great example of how we should not compartmentalize these stories to just one particular sex being able to tell it. I want to see more opportunity for female writers and filmmakers, but I also think that it's a mistake to isolate men completely from that process. When you find the right man to tell the story, there's real value in that. She goes on to say, listen, we should always question this stuff, and I'm totally open to the conversation around it, but if I had to do it all over again, I would do it exactly the same way. The men in my life are incredibly compassionate and ask questions about things in a way that is inspiring to me. Why would I eliminate that interest? And you've heard me say something like that, but not as eloquent before, where it is important that we have own voices tell their own stories. But at the same time, we should not deny others from telling them, especially if they can do a good job. So that one is that was one of the biggest things about this movie when it came out, that how can all these men tell this story? And I think that Charlize Theron hit it on the nose. So what do I really think about this movie? Because I have slated it, I have said good things about it, and I think my final thought is somewhere in the middle, because these performances were amazing. These actresses Are just outstanding. The performances in it, the performances in it were great. And John Lithgow as Roger Ailes was so creepy and gross. That happy, funny guy from Third Rock from the Sun was such a good creep. I think everyone in this movie did a good job. And at the very least, the worst person did okay. And I think that helped lift this movie up past what either a bad script, bad post-production, bad directing, whatever was the problem with this movie, the acting lifted it up from what it could have been. And it could have been really bad. And instead, it was okay. And this is going to be a perfect example moving forward that I want to use for great performances in movies that aren't great because I wanted to like this. I went into this movie prepared to like it, and, and it was just okay. The performances, the acting, top tier. Like, amazing. The rest of the movie, mediocre, and it meets somewhere in the middle. And I have to get really delicate <laughs> about what I'm trying to say here, because I recorded it once, and then I realized how awful it sounded. Uh, so let me say this. No one deserves to be treated like this. No one. I don't care if you're uh, how good or bad you are, if you're this the nicest angel in the world or the biggest piece of shit, uh, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve to be raped or harassed, sexually assaulted. You, you don't deserve it. And having that done to you is something that causes sympathy. The reason I had to preface with that is because what I'm trying to say is that as figures, as news figures, I don't like Gretchen Carlson or Megyn Kelly, but the performances of Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman made them endearing made them a little more relatable than they are on TV, and made them more sympathetic. There, okay, I think I explained that well. Good job, me. Don't get canceled yet. Look, movies like this are tough to watch. They are, because it's not an easy topic, but I think it's very important to talk about it, to make... Talking about it, something that is done and something that is normal, that is okay to come forward. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to feel however you feel about it. But it is, it, it, we should make sure that people know it's okay to come forward. That that atmospheres like those created at Fox News by people like Roger Ailes don't happen again and stop happening because you, God, you know that they're going on right now. But let's finish this by talking about overall bombshell. It was okay. Uh, will I ever watch it again? Probably not. Fantastic performances, bad pacing It should have been longer to have the parts of the stories just get their love enough and just meh bombshell gets a six out of eleven. Look if that bombshell segment was really short, it's because I had to delete stuff because this is a really tough topic to talk about. It really is. And you have to be very careful about what you say, because even the most well-meaning person could just say something the wrong way. And it's very important to me, moving forward, to not put my foot in my mouth anymore like I did a few times in the past. So if this segment was really short, that's why. All right, my future friends, it is time for our next break as we hear a word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, so please stay tuned and we'll be right back with the final movie, the movies for next week, and... The question
1: of the week. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, we're Doing, doing fine. fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture.
0: And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're,
1: we're doing, doing fine.
0: fine. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We have one more movie to talk about, and that is the brand new one out on Hulu called The United States vs. Billie Holiday. This follows Holiday during her career as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by black federal agent Jimmy Fletcher, with whom she had a tumultuous affair. This stars musician and newcomer to acting Andra Day, Trevante Rhodes from Bird Box, Miss Lawrence from Star, Tyler James Williams from Dear White People, Divine Joy Randolph from High Fidelity, the TV show, Garrett Hedlund from Tron Legacy, Natasha Leone from Russian Doll, and Leslie Jordan from Will and Grace. So what we have here is a movie that's very similar, but also very different from Bombshell. A different story, of course, also based on a true story. But what's similar about it, besides the fact that they're both true, is the fact that that this movie had some weird, weird pacing and it jumped around in time and it could have been really, really good. And this was another case of me being impressed by the acting and having to wait a bit to fully absorb the movie because Andrew Day, for her first big role, I mean, she's done really, really small parts and shorts and stuff. She is a musician, but she did a really good job in this. And like my friend friend Carrie Ann said, is that acting in a biopic should be looked at differently when it comes to award season, when it comes to acting in a fictional role, because when you're working in a biopic and your character really existed, you have a lot to draw on. And true, it takes a lot of skill to mimic someone that well and make make it seem believable, but you're also not starting from scratch with something. So even though Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman were really good in Bombshell, it takes a lot of skill. It was never going to be their best role because they've done impressive things outside of biopics. So Andrea Day is still really good, and that's very important to realize. No matter what I just said, because it still takes skill to act in a role like this, and she did an amazing job. An amazing job. And she actually sang the songs, too, and sounded so much like Billie Holiday. Trevante Rhodes as Jimmy Fletcher was really good, because you can see that this was really hard on him. Because at first he thought, oh, well, even though Billie Holiday is amazing, she is a drug addict. She does drugs. That's illegal. I have to stop this. But then he starts to realize that there's more to it, that... It's not just a war on drugs and they're targeting Billie Holiday. It's a war on Billie Holiday and her song, Strange Fruit, because Strange Fruit, if you've never heard it or weren't familiar with it, it is about a lynching. It's a song about a lynching and the U.S. government didn't want her performing it because they thought it would incite violence. It's like, it's like, huh? Oh, so this song that talks about lynchings that really happen to this day, unfortunately, a song about that, that reminds people that black people are targeted for being black and then lynched and there's no law against it that might make people angry and might make them rise up maybe maybe we should do more to stop this because sh- i was talking about this to someone and they brought the fact the fact that uh, at the end of the movie you see that it says the anti-lynching bill was never passed in 2020 it was brought up again, and it was reported out of the House Judiciary Committee, and it was passed by the House, but then the bill was being considered by the Senate, but Senator Rand Paul prevented the bill from being passed by unanimous consent because he had, uh, he had problems with the wording of it. But someone, uh, whose identity shall remain nameless, uh, no one in this House, uh, someone said, why do we even need this bill? because murder is still murder and maybe some of you are are thinking the same thing why do we need legislation against it well i did the google for you and the difference is it makes lynching a federal crime murder unless a federal law is broken is not a federal crime it's a crime dealt with by the state but we shouldn't even be asking that passing a bill that makes lynching a hate crime is obvious because if you realize, we only call it lynching when it's a black person. If someone gets hung, we talk about hangings. It's only lynchings when it's black people. Not just people of color, black people. So that's just a little FYI for you about, about that. But So the government didn't want this song sung. They didn't want this song sung because they it would create civil unrest. So they went after her for her drugs. And... I'm not making comparisons between Holiday and Capone, but in a similar way, they went after Capone because of tax evasion, because that's what they could get him on. So this movie had a lot of important things to say. It told a story that we need to know. It tells a story about a beloved historical and musical figure that we needed to know. And while it doesn't excuse her drug use, it also doesn't vilify it. And I think that's very important because it does many times... In the movie, refer to her drug use as an illness. Because that's exactly what drug addiction is. Because if it wasn't an illness, if it wasn't something outside of your ultimate control, then once you realize I don't want to do it anymore, you should be able to just go, okay, bye, walk away, never touch it. But there's more to it. So I think they handled that well. I think they handled the story at least that part of billy Holiday's story very well what they didn't do well was the rest of it the movie felt very very disjointed because we start out with billy holiday being interviewed by will and grace's beverly leslie we start out with her telling this story and then it jumps back in time but then it keeps jumping around jumping forward jumping back jumping back to the interview And so I thought, and Anne thought as well when we were watching it, that was going to end with the interview. But there's even another time where she's singing Strange Fruit without any musical accompaniment, staring straight at the camera, kind of like how A Star is Born ended. And I thought that they're going to go that way with it. And then it didn't end. It kept going. And then it ended with her death And it made the opening and the fact that they kept coming back to this interview so confusing. Because when we see a movie like this where someone's telling this story through an interview, we assume that keeps coming back to that, coming back to that. And that's where it's going to end. Either that, it's going to end after the interview, right when the interview ends and they walk out and something happens. So the timeline was really weird. The pacing of the whole movie was really weird. There were a couple moments of true brilliance in it. Cause there's this part where they're on tour and they stop because she has to pee. So she jumps out in this field or she jumps into this field and starts getting ready to pee. And she hears crying and she goes to find a lynching that had just happened. Uh, the family is crying and there's a body hanging from the tree. And then she, gets very distraught obviously and goes into a house and then through this what looks like a one-shot scene time passes and i think that one scene was done very well because then we see jimmy fletcher trying to stop her from shooting up again and then it just takes this very artsy turn that i liked but it felt out of place it felt out of place in what was a very straightforward biopic so all together lee daniels of you know, the butler fame, uh, who also did Precious and the Paperboy, uh, a little bit of Empire. Anyway, Lee Daniels had some good ideas. And you could see somewhere in this movie was a grade A film. Somewhere in this movie was perfection. But it can't come to fruition. I don't know if that was his fault, if it was in post. I, I don't know whose fault it was but this was a sloppy film that just like bombshell was saved by its performances and i know the directors do have a lot to do with the performances too it's a conversation between the actor and the director because even the most talented actor needs direction so there was brilliance from daniels in this but it just didn't come together something didn't work something was wrong and just like Bombshell, I wanted so much to like this. I wanted to like it so much. I wanted to start telling everyone, hey, have you seen the United States versus Billie Holiday? It is amazing. It has a part of history we need to know. You need to watch it. But I can't say that. What I can say is, is do you want to watch a really good performance? Watch this. Do you want to be amazed listening to how close a newcomer actress but also a talented singer can come to sounding just like billy Holiday. watch this watch this for the performances and then get disappointed because overall it's not just a good movie and a special nod to garrett hedlund because i just wanted to punch him in his smug asshole face the whole time and i loved garrett hedlund since four brothers If you remember that John Singleton movie from early 2000s with Mark Wahlberg and Tyrese and Andre 3000 and Terrence Howard, amazing film. But I have loved Garrett Hedlund since back then, and I wanted to punch him in his mouth. This movie disappointed me. Bombshell disappointed me. Because with both of these movies, once they ended, I was high on them because of the performances. I loved it. I thought they were amazing. And then once I let it stew, I realized they're not. They are imperfect, they are flawed, they have many issues, and the only thing saving both of these films from being garbage are the amazing performances. So just like Bombshell, the United States versus Billie Holiday gets a 6 out of 11. Really, really fun fact about Billie Holiday though. So if, if you haven't read or seen the stage play of 700 Sundays by Billy Crystal, or read his next book still fooling them you should because they are uh, very interesting but fun fact billy crystal's uncle uh, milt gabler who found commodore records which was an an independent record label that was the pressing was done by deca and a couple other uh, record makers it was milt gabler and his commodore record label that released billy holiday's strange fruit 700 Sundays and still fooling them are great. 700 Sundays is an emotional journey. Uh, you should read it or listen to the audiobook or watch the stage play. It's amazing. Billie Holiday took Billie Crystal to his first movie, and he sat on her lap when he was about a young child, and they watched the movie. Well, my future friends, that is it for the films. Let us not take another break because we're done with all of them and jump right into the question of the week and the movies for next week. So if you don't remember, the question of the week for this week was, what is your favorite performance in a biopic? Our first answer comes to us from the good friend of the show, Brian Q, and he says, The Passion of Joan of Arc from 1928, directed by Carl Theodore Dreyer. He says it's told through extreme close-ups. 1928 silent film, amazing acting. Dreyer was ahead of his time on many levels. And then he reminds me to watch Vampire, and I'm so sorry. It's been on my list forever, and it just it just stays there. Like like my to-be-read pile, it, it just never, never shrinks. Oh, that's why he brought it up. It's by Carl Theodore Dreyer as well. Oh, I can rent it on Amazon. There we go. So Anne has an answer as well. Fun fact, she misunderstood the question and thought it was just favorite biopic and not performance within. And so her answer was Dirty Dancing. I know, not a biopic, but fun fact, the writer, Eleanor Bergstein... Has a lot in common with baby. Went to the Catskills on vacation, had a tumultuous love affair just like that. Uh, all th- with the dancing, dad was a doctor, blah blah blah. So it's almost like her biopic, even though it wasn't. But her answer for her favorite performance is Julie Andrews in 1965's The Sound of Music. Even though uh, when we both rewatched Sound of Music, we loved it. And we're so glad that it held up well, especially a movie from that long ago. Uh, but yes, that is her answer. Julie Andrews as Maria. And as for me, Anne made it really hard for me because she kept on bringing up movies I love. She brought up Eddie the Eagle and I thought, oh, yeah, that. But then I remembered that I really liked the movie Shine. But then I remembered I also really liked the movie Amadeus. So F. Murray Abraham- as Antonio Salieri in Amadeus was my answer, until Anne reminded me Black Klansman was a movie, and so my answer has to be John David Washington as Ron Stallworth in Black Klansman, because John David Washington is truly amazing. It's just a matter of time until he, just like his father, wins an Oscar. Well, my future friends, let's talk about the story, the story, Well, my future friends, let's talk about the question of the week for next week, and this one was actually Anne's idea. On the flip side of this, what's your least favorite biopic? And I know that's a very nice way of putting it. What biopic did you hate? You know, whichever way you want to look at it, which biopic did you just not like? So we're not focusing on performances in this one. We're focusing on the overall movie. Which biopic did you hate? All right, my future friends, let us go over the movie. For next week, and that movie singular is actually going to be Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, I know I said I wasn't sure when I was going to watch it, but the other day Ann and I just sat down and we said, you know what, let's do it now because we thought it would be better to do it right away than try and plan around it. And you know, we did it, so I will talk about that next episode, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Available on HBO Max with a runtime of four hours and two minutes. So, you know, get ready to take some bathroom breaks because there's going to be quite a few. Well, my future friends, that's it for this episode. Let us wrap this all up with the closing housekeeping... You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website that is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then, how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends. My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.